good afternoon. You're listening to Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church. Stephen Pollock is the pastor of the Free Presbyterian Church of Malvern, Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us today as he opens the Word of God and lets the Bible speak. Well, please turn in your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3. Paul, of course, writing to Timothy and giving instruction regarding the conduct of the church. He says this, These things write unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, and the pillar and ground of the truth. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. Whatever your view may be regarding the marking of Christ's birth, it is certainly a time to be used to bring gospel truths to people's minds. The word manifest that's used here in 1 Timothy chapter 3 is a word that does a very obvious meaning. It means to make visible. God was manifest in the flesh. God himself appears, is revealed in the fleshment of Christ Jesus. We use the doctrinal word incarnation. The enfleshment of God in the person of Jesus Christ. And I have two very simple things to leave with you tonight. Initially, I want to look at the teaching of the text examined. And then the teaching of the text expanded. So let's begin the teaching of this text examined. Now, obviously, this text is a declaration of the deity of Christ Jesus. The clauses that follow this initial one are all describing the life and the witness of Christ Jesus. I'm not getting the details of those things, but you see the list there. Justified in the Spirit, referring to his baptism, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. Now, some of those things need some describing. I appreciate that. But nobody argues that they are a list of things that describe the glories of Christ Jesus. And so, therefore, the first one is speaking of God being manifest in the flesh. And the flesh there refers to the flesh of Jesus. The humanity. But in his humanity, there is the manifestation of God. What is the theological conclusion? Well, it's very, very important. And it is the assertion that God is made manifest not only through the incarnation of Christ, but in the incarnation of Christ. Again, you've got to think. I've used two different prepositions there. Through and in. Through Christ is, of course, true. We will see that. God is revealed through the life and the witness of Jesus. But the text says more than that. It says that God was manifest in the flesh. That in the person of Christ, there is God made manifest. Now, let me explain what I mean. In a sense, creation manifests God. The heavens declare the glory of God. 
The trees and the hills and the streams and the seas, they all give testimony to God. They all make God manifest. Christians, we make God manifest. It is, we saw this morning in Matthew chapter 5, we're to let men see your good works, that they may glorify our Father in heaven. They're to see God through us. We are to make God manifest. But creation or Christians make God manifest in an altogether different order than Christ. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. So turn back, please, to John chapter 1. And in John chapter 1 and the verse 18, you have this text. No man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him, made him manifest. The Son, in verse 14, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The Word that according to verse number 1 was in the beginning with God and the Word was God. And so the declaration that the Son makes of God in verse 18 is a declaration that occurs not only by what He says but by who He actually is. It's a statement of God manifest in the flesh. Now in recent times we've thought about the humanity of Christ. But when you think about the humanity of Christ, you must do so recognizing that that humanity was taken by the, ser- the second person of the Godhead. And you've one true God of true God we sign this evening. As you turn to John 14 then, over to John 14, and the verse number 7. And the Lord speaking here to Thomas and to Philip. He says in verse 7, if ye had known me, Ye should have known my father also, and from henceforth ye know him and have seen him. The invisible God. Christ could say they've seen the Father. How can they see the Father? Verse number nine, Philip is confused. Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. In verse nine, Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. He is God manifest in the flesh. The very embodiment of deity in the person of Jesus Christ. When we appreciate that the second person of the Godhead takes a human nature, we understand that he assumes a role. He assumes a role Under the Father's will. Regularly within the word of God we we see Christ expressing the fact that he's been sent from the Father. To do the Father's will. And therefore there has always been the understanding that in the the humanity of the second person, the Godhead, there was a submission under the Father. But what you must understand here, in light of 1 Timothy 3 and John 1 is that submission is a submission of rules. It is not that the Son becomes less equal with the Father. 
These texts emphasize that the equality of father and son is not changed by incarnation. And you must assert that and defend that with every fiber of your being. That as he takes on flesh, he does not become less God. He is still co-eternal and co-equal with the Father. And he is forevermore. And my point tonight is to prove to you again that when you read about the enfleshment of Christ, you are shown consistently in the word of God that as he takes flesh, he does not remove deity. And so that's a teaching of the text. In very simple terms, it is saying that in the enfleshment of Jesus, God was made manifest. Which leads in the second place to the teaching of the text expanded. In what ways does Jesus reveal God? Well, I have two things. He does so in his words, and he does so in his works. Turn to John 17. In John 17, in this high priestly prayer of Christ, you have the assertion of Jesus as he prays in verse 16, I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou givest me out of the world. Christ in his teaching has made known the Father to men. Verse 26, And I have declared unto them thy name and will declare it. And so you see in this prayer that the Lord Jesus uses the word manifest alongside the word to declare. And so rightly we do understand that a function of Christ's incarnation was to serve as a prophet revealing the Father to man in his teaching. There was to be an instructive ministry that opened up people's minds to the nature of God. And so there are examples of this in the Lord's ministry. He taught about the Lord. He taught about God. He he referred to the Heavenly Father. You take Matthew chapter 6 and the verse number 32. For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your Heavenly Father knoweth that ye need have need of all these things. He is teaching people regarding their heavenly father. He's revealing God through his teaching. Similarly, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 4, 6 and 18, the Lord shows the benefits of secret, private, sincere religion. Verse 4, that thine arms may be in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. The Lord is teaching about the father. He knows your needs. He attends to your needs. He, he, he sees you in secret. This is the Lord declaring the name of God in his teaching ministry. In Luke 11, he assures them that the Heavenly Father will give the Holy Spirit. He makes provision for them. All of that is Christ showing God in his teaching. But there's more to it than that. Not only... Does Christ reveal God by his words of teaching, but fundamentally by his words of truth? We're looking at the fact that in 1 Timothy 3, God was made manifest in the flesh. And so when Christ walks this earth, he has the right and the authority 
to use the word verily. And he does. Verily, verily, I say unto you. That is an implicit claim to absolute truth. The word verily that Christ uses there is the word drawn from the Old Testament word for amen. It's used in Deuteronomy chapter 32, for example, verse number 4. And it says, He is the rock, His work is perfect, and all His ways are judgment. Ah, God of amen, ah, God of truth. And so when Christ comes and says, Verily, verily, He is saying that God is a God of truth. And as He stands, He is that truth. Hence John 14, I am the way, the truth. And so in Matthew chapter 5, when Christ says, Ye have heard that it was said, but I say unto you, He's properly explaining the Scriptures as an absolute authority of truth. And that's a manifestation of God. You think of how Christ properly explains the Sabbath. That he teaches people that there are works of mercy and necessity that are proper actions on the Sabbath day. But the Lord is the one who, as God manifests in the flesh, has the right to say, verily, verily. One of the things that we see at this season is all manner of interest in false religions, in supernatural things, in superstition. All the interest in in angels here and angels there and a lack of interest in Christ Jesus. And we have an opportunity to point people to the fact that in Jesus God was manifest in the flesh and as he was such, so he is the only source of truth. Absolute truth found only in Christ Jesus. And you can go to people and say, you need to stop looking, stop searching. Here is truth. It is in the person of Jesus manifest as God in the flesh. But the Lord also manifests God in his works. Turn to John chapter 9. John chapter 9 and the verse number 3. It's the account of the man born blind. The disciples are concerned who sinned, this man or his parents. And the Lord answers, verse 3, Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. Christ in his works is going to make the works of God made manifest. You see the history, the story, the man is healed and there is, again, pardon offered. But the point I want to make is that Christ in his works does not only prove his deity, but reveals the works of God. I I wish, looking back, I had preached sermons differently in the past. So often when you come to the miracles of Christ, you apply it in this way. This miracle proves that Jesus was God. And that's true. There's nothing wrong with that. It's absolutely true. But it's also right and proper to assert that in this miracle, Jesus shows God, reveals God, makes the ways of God manifest. And in his works, he reveals God to mankind. 
And God is seen as Jesus is seen. You see, it reminds you of these things. In his works, we see that God rules over creation. You go to Mark chapter 4. Now, we don't have time to go through all the Gospels. Um, we, we could do an entire survey. But what I want to do is I want to show you the particular works of Christ whereby people were caused to marvel, realizing they were in the presence of deity. You have Mark 4. A reference, of course, to the stilling of the storm. At the end of that, in verse 41, And they feared exceedingly, and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? And of course, what's happening here is, the Lord's in the boat, he's asleep in the hinder part, they awake him, and he says to that wind, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. What does that show us? God manifest in the flesh. God manifest in a boat. Revealing to us that the God of creation is the God of providence. The God of creation is the God who has authority over the wind and the waves. Over the snow and the rain. Over the sun and the hail. It's all within the providential hand of God. Jesus showed that as he works the works of God. You see also in John chapter 1, turn there. What does Jesus reveal in John chapter 1? You have the account of Nathanael. Nathanael in verse 49 answered and said unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God. Here's a living testimony. Rabbi, thou art the Son of God. Thou art the King of Israel. And what... What had happened? Verse 47. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and saith of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom is no guile. Nathanael saith unto him, Whence knowest thou me? Jesus answered and said, Before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. We look at that. Here's evidence of the deity of Christ, and it is. But it's also a manifestation of the omniscience of God. That his eyes are in every place. Beholding the evil and the good. Hence he can see your secret prayers. He can see your secret fasting. He can see your secret almsgiving. He sees the good. But be warned he sees the evil. That's what's happening here. Jesus in his very presence on this earth is manifesting God. So that when people see Jesus they see the Father. God manifest in the flesh. But of course in John 9, we understand the reference there to the works of God being made manifest. We see that Jesus is the one who deals with the consequence of the fall. And so God is pleased to deal with the consequence of fallen man. And so turn to Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2. We see evidence in the work of Christ. One who reveals God to men. Mark 2. You know the story. There is this man sick of the palsy. His friends have broken up the roof and they've let him down. And the controversy arises. He says to the man. Verse 5. Son thy sins be forgiven thee. And there were scribes there. Verse 7. Why doth this man thus speak blasphemies? 
Who can forgive sins but God only? And then the Lord shows his power, verse 10, his power on earth to forgive sins when he tells the man, arise and take up thy bed. And again, don't we often look at it and preach it? Here is evidence of Jesus' deity. But is it not also the manifestation that the God of heaven is a God who forgives sins? God manifest in the flesh. The works of Jesus are the works of God and God is pleased to forgive sins. Do you see that tonight? That the God of heaven is willing to pardon your sins? Jesus showed that. You turn to Mark chapter 5. Mark 5 and the verse 15. You have legion. Verse 9, my name is legion. Many devils possessing legion. Verse 15. And they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil. And had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. They were afraid because they saw in Jesus a power they had not seen heretofore. And what's happening here? Jesus, God manifest in the flesh, is showing that God changes lives. Just a principle, but a glorious principle that the God of heaven is the God that changes people's lives in the desperation of sin. God can make them so that they are clothed and sitting in the right mind. Turn to Mark chapter 5. Mark 5 again, and the verse number 42. These are just examples. I'm going to stop here. These are just examples. Mark 5 and the verse 42. The damsel... Verse 41, I send thee arise, and straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was of the age of twelve years, and they were astonished with a great astonishment. Jesus had the power over death, because God has the power over death. And death, as the last enemy, is an enemy that will finally be defeated. Death has received the death blow on the cross. And in the resurrection, death itself will be defeated. And so we are seeing, we're seeing God manifest in the flesh in the works of Jesus. Haven't we something to say to people at this time? Surely we can point people that in the miracle of the incarnation of the Son of God, there is the manifestation of God. And sinners need to see God. Every single day we meet people who need to know about God. We meet anxious souls. We meet troubled souls. Who need to know about a God who is able to still the wind. People who face this life and wonder what tomorrow will bring. And we meet them. In the store, we meet them in the streets. And they may say to you, Merry Christmas. And you have the opportunity to look them in the eye and say, Why are you troubled? When Jesus came into this world, he was God manifest in the flesh. And he revealed that God is in control of this entire creation. That's a message, isn't it? 
That's gospel truth. There are those who are complacent. You may see the person coming out of the liquor store. You may hear the bottles rattle in the bag. And you may look at them and say, Are you going to go and enjoy Christmas now? It's a time for drunkenness, isn't it? In the spirit and the minds of many. And you can say, When Jesus came into this world, he was God manifest in the flesh. And he made it known to people that he sees in the secret place. And though you may live complacently in this world, there is a God in heaven who sees you. Fear God. Repent of your sins and seek the Savior. There's a message here, isn't there? Oh, we will meet people who are broken in the guilt of their sins. Who are living this life in misery. And who pretend that for a time of year they can enjoy themselves. Winter is dark. Let's have a nice time with family. But truth be told, they are in turmoil over the guilt of their past sins. And we can say to them, Jesus, God manifest in the flesh, is willing and able to forgive sins. And he's paid the price with his own blood. There's a message here, isn't there? We may meet people. You're in bondage to their sins. And they are just like legion of old. And they need to hear about a God who can change their lives. And where do they see that God? They see that God in the person of Jesus. God manifest in the flesh. And there are some. We find this season the hardest season of all the year. I miss my mother. I feel for my lost wife or lost husband. There's an empty chair around the table this season. What a time it is. To point unto one who came, taking not the form of angels, but the likeness sinful flesh that as God manifest in the flesh he would show sinners where death is defeated at the cross in the personal note of Christ Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Let the Bible Speak from Malvern Free Presbyterian Church We extend an invitation to all to join us as we worship the Lord each week you will be made very welcome. The church is situated at 80 Mallon Road, Malvern, Pennsylvania. We meet for worship on the Lord's Day at 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. A Bible study and prayer meeting is also held on Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. If you'd like more information about the gospel or the church, please call 610-993-3170. That's 610-993-3170 or email malvernfpc at yahoo.com. We preach Christ crucified.